0: Praise God. We have been on a revival series, and I'm so excited happy to be talking this morning about revival again. And I want to extract a word, and I want to bring a little definition to it, and so we are going to be reading out of the book of Acts this morning, the entire book of Acts we are going to read this morning. Are you ready? Uh, we won't read the entire book of Acts, but almost, almost. Little factoid, some of you may fully know this. There's going to be a, a group in here that is not aware of this, though. Little factoid, this church, of course, our church's name right now is River of Life. That's a nice name, pronounceable name. Do you know that this church used to be named Apostolic Revival Center? There it is. It is a good name. I like that name. Apostolic Revival Center. Man, makes you want to run the aisles, Dariel, doesn't it? My goodness. Man, I like those words. This apostolic stuff is in our genetics. It's in our DNA. Apostolic. The only problem with that is when you started to try to invite people to come to your church, you'd give them a card, and they'd be like, Apostolic? Apost, 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 what? And then if you said it, it was like 93 syllables, Apostolic Revival Center, Apostolic Revival Center. Then like, You know what we did? Then we just abbreviated it. We just called it ARC, which was really cheap. And then we found out that there was a time that that acronym was the Association for Retarded Citizens or something like that. It's true. That's when, we, that's when we changed our name. Apostolic Revival Center. River of Life, at least. Now, we love that. We love Apostolic Revival Center. Revival. We love what that stands for. We love what it's about. But then we'd have people say like things like, is that like a, is that like a drug and alcohol rehab place? Apostolic Revival Center. So we changed it. We changed the name to River of Life, and it's pronounceable. It's just a few syllables. What I want to talk about, though, this morning... There's a lot of church models that are out there, a lot of church models. What is our church going to be like? What are we like as a church? There's the attractional model of the church. There's the seeker-sensitive model of the church. Willow Creek, Bill Hybels, the seeker-sensitive model of the church. In other words, make sure to put a face on it so that people that are coming, it's sensitive to where they are at. And, you know, there are some good things to these models. There's maybe some... Things that could be taken out of them. There's a teaching model of the church. A lot of you, some of you may listen to Christian radio, and on Christian radio there are there are entire ministries and churches that are built on are built on teaching, like a John MacArthur kind of a thing. That's a it's a teach so the people come to church and they got a notebook in their hand. I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Their entire model is built upon that. The way teaching model of the church. Other churches have a worship model, like a Hillsong, and everything kind of is about the worship. Uh, Which, again, worship is a great thing in the church. Amen. I'm just waiting for you to catch up. Let's get on the same page. It's just better if we're on the same page. There's the programmatic style of church. Programmatic, in other words, a church has a great program, and so they have a litany of programs that they offer, and the church calendar is filled with all kinds of programs that you can connect with. And, of course, there's some value to that. A lot of activities that are placed and things that are done. There's a den- denominational paradigm. You know, this this city alone. You know, in our city, there is tons of Catholic churches. There are tons of Lutheran churches. There's all kinds of denominational churches. There are stylistic models of the church. There's there's a church in town. I actually met the I met the pastor or the the assistant pastor. I met leadership. Super nice guy. And they've got a church in town. It's called Cowboy Church what it's called it's called cowboy church you show up you got the boots on got a grass piece of grass sticking out of your mouth Ding! You come show up in a horse it's cool hey it's, you know what identifies i get that model of the church what i want to talk about is our model of the church okay i'm going to use three words apostolic pentecostal christian i'm going to use four words revival apostolic pentecostal christian revival oh man I I want to preach all day on this message I really do Thank you so much Durrell all day The man said we've got all day I'm preaching all day Okay, so the book of Acts. All right, if, you, if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to put your finger in the book of Acts. I want you to, uh, if you've got a phone, iPad, whatever, go to the book of Acts. You know, kind of earmark that. That's where we're going to spend some time today. So, of course, the first four books of the New Testament are referred to as what? First four books of the New Testament are referred to as Gospels. And those four Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. My, the way I describe the Gospels is like this. If, if you were to, for instance, thankfully Dawn Dixon is here. She got in a, in a car accident. Not you notice how she did that really fast. <laughs> hey, Dawn, if you'd have given me a second, I was going to do that. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. She did. I will say when I, I got the phone call, that was my first worry. But the Lord's hand was on you, and we're thankful for that. Okay, so you have a car accident that takes place. you got 5th Avenue and whatever that other, 17th Avenue. Okay, so, and when I showed up, it was unique. There was a lot of people who had a lot of different viewpoints of what happened. The one lady that was in the accident had a, had a viewpoint of what happened that was very different, I think, than what actually happened. But anyway, if you had someone on, on the four corners, and they, they were to view what took place, they would all be describing the same thing, but they would be describing it from a different viewpoint, right? So when we deal with the Gospels, we have Matthew who is writing to Jewish people. And so when you read the book of Matthew, there are 28 chapters. In those 28 chapters, there's tons of quotes out of the Old Testament. Why? Because the the crowd that he is writing to is Jewish people. So he is quoting out of the Old Testament. He's identifying with them. Mark, there's only 16 chapters in the book of Mark, and Mark is a young man. Remember John Mark, he's a young man and he's writing to the Romans. So it's abbreviated, it's quick, it's to the point, it's action-oriented. Mark, 16 chapters deal with that. Luke, as you, you read Luke, Luke was a phy- physician and a doctor, so what he was saying was very very well put together, very organized. Uniquely, the book of Acts is written by the same author. As a matter of fact, you look at Acts 1 and 1, it says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So that's the book of Luke. You could put the book of Luke and the book of Acts together and their companion two volumes, the story of Jesus and the story of the church. That's that vantage point. And then much, much later in like 80, 90, or 95, one of the last books that were written is the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John is written to the church because you have 60 years of church history Where the identity of Jesus is being challenged and there's all kinds of spurious ideas about who Jesus was and unfortunately who he wasn't. So John had to write back and correct many of those things. And so when you read the book of John, it is filled with the miracles of Jesus, the the divinity of Jesus. And what John is trying to scream to the church at that time period is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God, and here's the proof. Here's all the things that he did. Here's all the miracles that he did. Here's the affirmation and the confirmation of the fact that Jesus is God. Thank God for that. He is God. So you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are referred to as the Gospels. And they are telling us, and this going way back with my children. This is what we try to teach our kids growing up. The Gospels. What are the Gospels? What are the Gospels talking about? What are the Gospels talking about? The life of Jesus. So in the beginning of the Gospels, what do you have? You have the birth of Christ. So it's Christmas time, you're going to read the book of Luke, and all of a sudden that's going to tell you about the birth of Jesus. his miraculous. The virgin birth of Christ It's going to tell you all about that. But it's not only the birth of Christ, it shares with us... What else? His ministry. It shares with us His ministry. Predominantly, the Gospels tell us the ministry of Jesus, which is what was the ministry of Jesus, what things was are described to us about the ministry of Jesus and the Gospels. The miracles of Jesus, all different kind of miracles of Jesus. The lame walking, the deaf hearing, dead being raised back to life again, demons being cast out. And Jesus still does that. Thank God for that. He's still in the business. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still does the same thing. You have the miracles of Jesus. What else do you have the, the Gospels telling us? The teaching of Jesus, life-changing teaching of Jesus. You have the Sermon on the Mount. You have teaching that has absolutely transformed the world. Thank God for the teaching of Jesus. As you conclude the majority, every single gospel, as you get to the end of each gospel, each gospel begins to describe the same things about Jesus. What does the end of the gospel describe? The death of Jesus. The fact that he was nailed to a cross He was crucified unjustly, nailed to the cross of Calvary. His blood was spilled upon the ground for our salvation. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus did? He didn't do that because he deserved it. He could have called down legions of angels to stop all of that, but he didn't do that because he's a good God, and he's so good that he he, he was not put there for his own sins. He said, I'm going to take your sins... And I'll take them upon myself. And God said, I'm so good, I'll take your sins upon me in exchange for you giving me your sins. Jesus said, I'll give you my righteousness. And so if you're living for God today and you're living a holy life and you're living a righteous life, you're not living a holy and righteous life just because you're moral And just because you're dedicated and just because you're disciplined, you're living a holy life because the blood of Jesus forgave us of our sins. And the blood of Jesus washed our sins away and empowered us. And I'm living for Jesus not because I'm a good man, but I'm living for Jesus because he's a good God. And he did that for me upon the cross of Calvary. And I thank God for that cross. And they took him off of that cross, and they put him in a bower, borrowed tomb. And they put him in a bower, borrowed tomb. Do you know why? Because he wasn't going to be staying there for long. Oh, hallelujah. He said, I'm only going to need that for a couple days, and you can have it right back. And he gave it back to Joseph of Arimathea and gave him his tomb back, and he, he rose again from the grave, and he walked around Jerusalem and blew people's minds Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. None of us would be here and none of us would have hope were it not for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Corinthians 15 tells us, 1 through 4, that the gospel, he said, you are saved by the gospel. If you hear the gospel, if you keep that in front of your memory, he said, you're going to be saved. He said, that which I delivered unto you, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. How he was buried and how he rose again the third day from the grave. The death, the burial, and the resurrection is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. Romans 1 and 16 tells us that we are saved. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. So if any of us, we're not going to go to hell, we're going to go to heaven, the entire reason that we're not going to go to hell is that Jesus died for my sins. Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose again the third day from the grave, triumphant over death, sin, and hell. Thank God. The concluding chapters of all the Gospels tell the selfsame story of how that Christ conquered death and hell. And One of the last things that take place is he Like a rocket blasts off the planet and he kind of looks down as if to say, I'll be back, guys. I'm going to be back. And he ascended into heaven. Jesus fulfills his life purpose, dies on the cross, is resurrected, and ascends. I am so grateful to God. The story didn't end there. Some people get stuck in their Bible. They get stuck in a chapter. They get stuck in a mode. They get stuck in a view. They get stuck in... We thank God for the cross. In fact, if you came into church here this morning, you walked under a cross to come in the doors of this church. And that's a beautiful reminder of what Jesus did. But we don't have a cross hanging up here with a dying Jesus because it's got to go beyond the cross. It's got to go beyond the burial it's got to go to the resurrection that Jesus conquered death and hell. We are not just serving a crucified Christ, we are serving a resurrected Christ who is presently alive and in power. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah. It was very important that he, he was telling his people one of the last things that he said. I've, I read something very interesting as of late. I was reading, and some of you, you may be like, duh. You probably read it a hundred times, but it stuck out to me very very poignantly. When Jesus, in Matthew 28 and 19, what did he say? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Teach them. Baptize them. Teach them again. The great commission, right? Go into all the world. I read Acts 1 about a week ago, and the thing that stuck out to me was that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus commanded them. This wasn't an option. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. I thought it was an odd contrast. That in one gospel account, he's saying, go into all the world. In the Acts account, which near as I can see is the very same place, very same position. In the same place, he's saying, but don't you leave. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, but I'm commanding you... Don't leave Jerusalem. Don't you dare leave Jerusalem, but I'm commanding you to go into all the world. You know why that is? He's saying before you can go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, you're going to have to be endued with power from on high you're going to have to have the Holy Ghost because a mission without the empowerment of the Spirit isn't going to produce anything. He said, Disciples, you walk with me. You know my teaching. You know everything about me. But it's not enough for you just to know about me. You've got to have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the power of God inside. Because it's going to take more than just knowledge in your head. It's going to take an empowerment of the Spirit for you to fulfill my command to change the world through the gospel of Christ. So one of the last things that Jesus says, one of the things that he reiterates over and over again, John chapter 14 and 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Notice, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But listen to what he said to the disciples. But you know him. How do they know him? For he dwelleth with you. You're going to know the comforter, disciples, because the comforter is dwelling with you, and he is going to be in you. Comforter is going to get inside of you. And then Jesus says in 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Oh, hallelujah. I thank you that Jesus comes to us in spirit form. Yet a little while the world seeth me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know. He said when that day comes, you're going to know. Jesus says that I am in the Father and you in me. And Jesus says in that day I am going to be in you. I am so thankful that the promise of the Father was the infilling of the Holy Ghost, which was and is presently the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay? So here we go. We got the book of Acts, or the the Gospels leads us into the book of Acts. Can you say that with me? The book of Acts. The beautiful, man, we're going to have fun in the book of Acts today the beautiful and powerful book of Acts. Sandwiched in our Bibles between the Gospels and the Epistles is the definitive history of the church. Written by an educated doctor historian named Luke, it is the companion to the Gospel of Luke, and Acts covers approximately 30 years as it reaches across the Bible lands from Jerusalem to Rome. The events in the book of Acts, it shows us miracles. It shows us salvation. It shows us the teaching of the apostles. It shows us persecution that happened. It showed us sermon accounts. It shows us church planting. If you allow me to say it like this, the book of Acts is the highlights real of the original church. So if you want a model of what the church Should be like. I'm not looking to an attractional model. I'm not looking to a worship model. I'm not looking to a teaching model. I'm not looking to a seeker sensitive model. We as the church uh, ought to be looking to the book of Acts as our model because this is what Jesus did with his original apostles when he filled them with the Holy Ghost and they changed the world with the power of God through the infilling of the Spirit. The book of Acts is the model of the New Testament. Oh hallelujah, church. The high points of the book of Acts cover approximately 30 years of church history. And What we understand is we realize they could not possibly record every moment, every day, every hour, every week, it's, but it is the highlights, the high points. Now the epistles reveal some of the problems the church navigated and we know the church the church did have problems. You know why the church has problems? Because the church has people. And as long as you got people, you're going to have problems sometimes. But thank God we're not, we're not just dealing with just, just people. We're dealing with what God does through people. That's why our model has got to be an apostolic model, a book of Acts model. So the epistles reveal some of the problems the church navigated, And let us know that it wasn't all peaches and cream, powder puff and magic. There were persecution and difficulties, sin issues and people problems. But listen up. The church in the book of Acts kept a focus. The church in the book of Acts kept a determined direction. God gave the church leaders of churches and leaders in churches. Bishops and deacons and deaconesses and praying saints of God who stayed together. And though there was a lot of distractions that were in the world, these leaders, with the help of the Holy Ghost, uh, stayed focused. and they said, though there's plagues, though there's coronavirus, though there's societal upheaval, though there's problems that are in the world, though there's sin sometimes that rises up in the church, what we as the church are going to do, because we're the Book of Acts church, what they said is we're going to stay focused on Jesus. We're going to stay focused on prayer. We're going to stay focused on the mission of God. We're going to stay focused on the infilling of the Holy Ghost, because this can can't just be a human thing. This has got to be a God thing. This has got to be a Holy Spirit thing. This has got to be a miracle thing. This has got to be a thing that has the fingerprints of Almighty God all over it. We've got to stay focused on Jesus. We've got to stay focused on ministry. Focused on evangelism. Everything in the world is saying, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. Be freaked out. Listen to the news. Freak yourself out more. Everything's bad and everything's terrible. That's why I read the news this morning. Grand Rapids Herald, at least. You won't catch me quoting some of those other news agencies. All they're saying is bad, bad, bad. But listen, the church faced all kinds of persecution all kinds of problems, but they said, we're going to stay focused because Jesus wants us to be focused. We're going to stay focused on the work of God. And the book of Acts is one of the most wonderful, powerful books in the Bible because it outlines what the church should look like, what the church should feel like, what the church should sound like, what the church should be is in the book of Acts. That's why our model has got to be the book of Acts. We want to be a present day book of Acts church so I want to bring three words this morning and bring a little hopefully a little definition to them the book of Acts which details the experiences of the church under the direction of the apostles three words number one can you say apostolic apostolic what does apostolic mean they were an apostolic church what does that mean apostolic 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 comes from the Greek word. The word apostle means one that is sent. It means missionary. They were missionaries. The apostolic church was missional in nature. It was reaching out to its world. It was aggressive. I like that word. Aggressive. It was aggressive to move and carry the mission. It was apostolic. The apostles were the original disciples of Jesus. And they didn't change the message when Jesus blasted off. They didn't change the message. They took the message Jesus had gave them and they took that message. And they took it everywhere and anywhere. And they turned cities upside down. And they cast out devils. Come on. They had revival or they had riot. They stirred things up. They preached Jesus, uh, and the same Jesus that did miracles while he walked on the face of the planet did miracles through the church that was alive then. They shook things up. They were apostolic. They were apostolic. First word I want to bring is apostolic. Secondly, they were Pentecostal. By Pentecostal, what do you mean by Pentecostal? Pentecostal. There's, there are those that would say Do you know there are people that hate the book of Acts? I don't know how and why you would hate the book of Acts. How you could hate the book of Acts. So beautiful because it shows us the way it should be. Oh, God, help us. The second chapter of the book of Acts, people say, oh, you're the Acts 2 people. How come you guys spend so much time in Acts 2? You know why we spend so much time in Acts 2? Because Acts 2 is the watershed moment when everything changed. Pre-Acts 2, there was no church. Post-Acts 2, there was a church because the church was born in Acts chapter number 2. So what will you do with Acts chapter 2? I tell you what I will do with Acts chapter number 2. I will wrap my arms around it, and I will fully embrace it because if that's what God did then, that's what God wants to do now. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Oh, may God give us an apostolic revival where everybody gets the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, filled with the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. And the church was born in Acts chapter number 2. The day of Pentecost that, that the Jews had been celebrating for hundreds and hundreds of years. Little did they know that as they celebrated it, what they were really communicating was there's going to come a day that that, that Pentecost is going to be fulfilled we're not just going to commemorate we're not just going to commemorate the giving of the law we're not just going to commemorate the fire that was on Mount Sinai we're not just going to commemorate it but one day Pentecost is going to come alive for us again and that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost the spirit was outpoured the Spirit of Christ was outpoured and the church was born by and with the infilling of of the Holy Ghost. And so when people say Pentecostal, well, you know, what kind of church do you go? I go to a Pentecostal church. Most of the time when people say that, what they're really meaning is they're just, that's the crazy church. That's like the wild church. People there, they, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll run. They'll, they'll cry. They lift their hands up. Those people, they, they clap. And a lot of those things, we don't even think like this is a big deal if you've been around for a while. We had that guest that was with us about a month and a half ago. And she, she, was, she was so cute. She said at the end of the service, she said, man, I, I've never clapped in church before. And you just, you just forget, right? But that's what a lot of people, Pentecostal mean. That means, you know, there's exuberance. There's excitement. And all those things are probably true. But what it means to be Pentecostal is that we affirm the biblical experience of Acts 2. That means that God fills people with his spirit, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. hmm And if God did it then, he still does it now. Come on, there is not an expiration date on your New Testament. I want to scream to every cessationist uh, that said it ended then. It didn't end then. It began then. It opened up the church age uh, so that we could have a Pentecost uh, every day and every year. That we could have a Pentecost uh, in every city, of every country, in every planet. Amen. That we could have in Jesus' name a revival that will change hearts uh, and change lives. That's Pentecostal. That's what it means to be Pentecostal. And I'm going to throw this one in for good measure because I think it's, 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 a good, it's a good part of our identity. We're apostolic Pentecostal. We're also Christians. It's good to talk in tongues and be a Christian, too. I've met some people that, you know, they talked in tongues, but I don't know how much of a Christian they were. It should be that way, though. Christian, what does that mean? Christ-like. We follow his teaching. We are followers of Jesus. He is our God. He is our model. He is our template. He is our example. And we need his spirit within us apostolic pentecostal christian that's who we are and i'll tell you this when i walked into one of these kind of churches for the first time 30 i don't know how many years ago long time ago when i walked into one of these kind of churches i'd been to parties i'd experienced all kinds of stuff in my life i'd been to churches even before I'm not here to criticize and be cynical about. It's just, I, my life wasn't changed. But when I walked in one of these churches, when I had a challenge in my heart and in my life, I'm fighting with anger, and I'm fighting a depression. When I came into a church where the power of God was, the Holy Ghost arrested my life. It wasn't the beauty of the architecture of the building. It was a little old converted. It was a little converted elementary school building. It was a little gymnasium. But it was in the apostolic church of Jesus Christ in Madison Heights, Michigan, that Jesus got a hold of my life. Because for the first time, I felt the presence of God and the power of God. And I thank God that the church was still alive in that day. And there was a church that was still experiencing the power of God. Then, apostolic, Pentecostal, Christian, the book of Acts. Jesus' crowning achievement was not a business. It was not a company. Sam Walton built Walmart. Henry Ford built Ford Motor Company. Steve Jobs built Apple. But Jesus built the church. He put all of his hopes, he put all of his dreams into you and me. He put all of his hopes into the church of the living God. Listen, there is no other agency that has the power to change our culture. There is no other vehicle that has the power to change our world right now. Folks, our world needs a change. And that change can and will only come through the vehicle of the church. His teaching, His miracles, His redemption, the cross where the reason why he died was to create a church. Not some weak, anemic group of people, but spiritual powerhouses that were capable of changing the world. And I would remind all of us and reiterate this morning that he has not changed his method. His method is still the church. His method is still the people of God. He's not sending angels. He's sending people. The church that was born in an upper room with the spirit of in, the spirit of God infilling it, that spilled out into the streets and ultimately around the world. The answer for the world is a church that is in apostolic revival. Clap your hands under the Lord. Let's thank God. Oh, hallelujah! Holy Ghost, help us. Oh God, give us revival, 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 revival. revival. What I would say here this morning is that we can't improve on this. We can't do better than this model. We can't improve on the book of Acts model because the book of Acts model is the church at its apex, the church at its zenith. Did it have problems? Yes. But in the book of Acts, we find and we sense the nature of the church. We see the identity of the church. There's no better model for the church than this. We're not looking to other models. We're looking to the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts church was a high potency church. It was from this launch point that God said, I'm going to pour out of an upper room and he said, I'm going to spread. I am going to spread my gospel through the whole world. It's going to be more potent and powerful than a virus. It's going to be a wildfire. It's going to be tongues of fire. It's going to change the world. It's going to shake nations. It's going to convert those that feel as though they have no hope. The book of Acts church. The book of Acts was the template. It was the blueprint. And it is descriptive of Christian experience. If we want to know how the church should operate, we need to go to the book of Acts. If we want to know what the church should be, we go to the book of Acts. If we want to know what the church should look like, we go to the book of Acts. In fact, I would say may God help us to overlay the template of the book of Acts church over our church. May God help us to be a book of Acts church. Oh, hallelujah. May God help us to be a book of Acts church. May we have an apostolic revival in our times. Come on, may we have a revival that shakes our local high school. Come on, may we have a revival that shakes up Hibbing and Ely. May we have a revival that shakes up Deer River. Come on, saints of God, may we have a revival, a book of Acts revival. A book of Acts revival that changes our lives and changes our families, changes our city, and changes our country. I'll tell you what, our, country, our country's hope is not lying in the White House. I know we're coming up on a big election. I get all that, but I'm telling you what we need. We need a revival is what we need. We need a revival to shake our cities. We need a revival to shake our hearts. We need a revival to shake our homes. We need a revival to shake our state. The answer for a world in crisis is a church in revival. So, Andrew, thank you. Andrew built me a stool. Last night, he threw this together. So I don't know if I dare sit on it or stand on it. No, he did a good job. The book of Acts too. I want to talk about three, three main points of what made the book of Acts church the book of Acts church. Point number one. The book of Acts church relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can interchange that. You can say it however you want to say it. You can say Holy Spirit. You can say Holy Ghost. Spirit of Christ, they're all the same thing. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. In fact, Luke used both terminology. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. It's pneuma, breath, wind. It's interpreted both ways. So you can say it Holy Ghost. I kind of like to say Holy Ghost. Some people get creeped out by that. Holy Spirit. But the book of Acts church relied upon the power of the Spirit. Church, we're not smart enough to pull this thing off. We're not powerful enough in ourselves. We can't put together good enough plans. Come on, you got people in your life that you're reaching out to, and you don't want them to be lost for eternity without God. Amen? You don't want them lost for eternity without God. But we know it's going to take more than planning. What it's going to take, we need the power of God. We need the Spirit of God to help us. This book of Acts Church, they realize that their existence was predicated upon the power of the Spirit in their lives. They relied on the power of the Spirit. Now, here's where I'm going to read the entire book of Acts. Not actually. You guys are really quiet this morning. I got a bunch of verses I'm going to read. A bunch of, I want you to notice with me. I'm going to pass over them very quickly. Acts 1 and 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he, through the Holy Ghost. Verse number 5, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Verse number 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Acts 2 and 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues. Acts 4 and 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them. Acts 5 and 9, then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Acts 6 and 3, wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. Acts 8 and 15, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, then they laid their hands upon them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Acts 9 and 17 says that Thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 10 and 19, while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said. Acts 11 and 12, and the Spirit bade me go. Verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Verse 16, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Acts 13 and 2, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Verse number 9, then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 16 and 6, it says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. Acts 19 and 2, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Verse number 6, the Holy Ghost came on them. Acts 20 and 23, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city. Acts 21 and 4, who said to Paul through the Spirit. Acts number, verse number 11, thus saith the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit said, the Spirit bid them. The Spirit helped them. They were filled. They were filled. The power of the Spirit. The apostolic church relied upon and was fueled with the Holy Spirit. They had to have the Holy Ghost moving in their midst. They had to have the Holy Ghost. They couldn't do it without the Holy Ghost. What are the other models you can maybe get by? You know, make it fancy, make it cool, make it nice, make it attractional. Listen, attractional doesn't save people's souls. The Holy Ghost saves people's souls. Jesus, we need a tangible reality of the presence of the living God that is still alive and still real and still present in our midst, operating, working, helping, strengthening through the Spirit. We aren't smarter. We aren't wiser, we aren't more powerful than the apostles. They needed the Spirit. They moved in the Spirit, and we need the Spirit. The same thing that moved them, that empowered them, was the Spirit, and that's what we need moving us. It is the Spirit. That's why when you go through the book of Acts, you know what you find in the book of Acts? You find this pretty cool. You find a lot of prayer meetings in the book of Acts. You find prayer meetings in the book of Acts. You know why? Because it's as I pray that the spirit gets renewed and revived and refreshed in my life. A church that doesn't pray isn't going to have a move of the spirit. I said a church that doesn't pray isn't going to have a move of the spirit. But a church that prays is going to have a move of the spirit. So when Peter gets locked up in prison, what do they do? We better do a a prison break. That's what we better do. We better hire somebody to break him out of prison. No, they said, we're going to pray. They got to praying. And as they prayed, God got Peter out of prison. They're going through persecution. They're saying, how are we going to make it through this? The church got together and the church started to pray. And my Bible tells me that as the church prayed in unity and community, the place was shaken where they were praying. And they were baptized with a fresh spirit of boldness. How did that come? Because the people accessed the power of the Spirit through prayer. A praying church is going to be a spirit-filled church. A praying church is going to have power and demonstration. A praying church is going to be see a manifestation of miracles through the Spirit. A praying church is going to see deliverance in people's lives. I tell you what, I start looking around sometimes and I'm like, demon, devil. You know what, sometimes we want to go, oh, they need more counseling. No, they need more deliverance. The world's got an answer for everything. Everything's psychological. Can it be? Yeah. But I'm telling you what, that's why we need the Spirit. We need discernment. We need salvation. We need the Spirit to be working in our midst. We need the Spirit anointing our Bible studies. We need the Spirit helping us as, as workers on our job. We need the Spirit Tuning us to what's happening in the world. The Spirit talking to us. The Spirit working through us. The power of God working in our lives. The Spirit. That was one plank, one of the planks in the Apostolic Church. They relied upon the Holy Spirit. And they knew it. We can't do anything of ourselves. I try to pray this prayer very, very often. It's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, saith the Lord. In my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. I can't do anything of myself, but I can do all things through Christ. I can through the Spirit. I'm relying upon you, Lord. Come on, if you feel insecure, you feel incapable, good. Did you hear me? Good. You feel incapable, good. You know what you do? Then you go to God in prayer. You say, I can't do this, but God, I know you can do this. Come on, I don't know how to overcome this. Good, but oh God, you know how to overcome this. I'm seeking the face of God right now. Oh, hallelujah. We can pray ourselves down a revival. We can pray down a move of the Spirit because what we're saying is, God, we can't do it any other way. Come on, we can't have whole hum church. No, we can't have whole home church. We can't get by with just business as usual. But pastor, we've been in a coronavirus season. Don't you know everybody's adjusting right now. I know. I'm watching. I got my finger on the pulse of this thing. But I tell you how we break out of this thing. We break out of this thing by having a move of the Holy Ghost. We break out of this thing by Jesus speaking to us through his spirit in a time of prayer. Him working in our hearts and in our lives. Through the Spirit. We need the Spirit. Second plank of an apostolic revival. Are you ready? The Book of Acts Church lived, shared, and moved the Word of God everywhere. The Word of God was central in the Book of Acts Church. What does that mean? They taught it. They shared it. They lived it. They loved it. They preached it. Everywhere they went, it was the Word of God. I am thankful today that we are built upon the Word of God. In fact, what I know is this. You start placing this Word of God. you got an unfixable problem. Let me tell you how you can fix that unfixable problem. You lay the Word of God on that problem. You apply the Word of God. And the Word of God can do for you what nothing else can do for you. We rely upon the Word of God. That's why the new babes in Christ, thank God for the new babes in Christ, Holy Ghost filled. God's filled you with the Holy Ghost. Jillian reminded me, I totally forgot about it. Jillian reminded me one of the first things I said to her. I forgot I said it. Sometimes you say really brilliant things, you don't even know you said it, you forgot about it. She said after she got the Holy Ghost, she, I was talking to her. She said I said this, I guess I said it. But I told her after she got the Holy Ghost, and it wasn't to be like, you know, a downer, but I said, now the real work begins. You know, because, you know, you got the Holy Ghost now. Now it's like, you know, all God wants to, listen, if you're new here and you're considering a walk with God, listen, all that God wants out of you is everything. That's all he wants. That's all he wants is everything. But when you go, I give you everything, all of a sudden God says, now you watch what I can do with your life. You watch what I can do with you. I'll take your addictions, I'll get that. I'll take your mental insanity, I'll take, I'll take your marriage, I'll put that all back together. Come on, I'll take your, your, your frustration, I'll take that away. I'll take your despair and your depression, God says, I'll give you joy. You're not sleeping at night, you see what God can do. God's, because when you give him everything, God can do for you what no one else can do for you. The counselor can do it. Come on, it can't come from anywhere else. It comes from God. You see what God can do in your life. And that's what I'm saying. You start getting the Word of God inside of your life. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They don't know. And what you don't know can hurt you. What you don't know can hurt you. That's why we search the Scriptures. That's why we learn to fall in love with this good book. Man, that's good preaching. We fall in love with this good book. We wake up and we say, what does the scripture have to say to me? Is there anybody beside me that the word of God has been so rich to you lately? The word of God so wonderful and feeding your soul. I thank God for the word of God. The word of God does something in me and for me you set goals what am i going to study i'm on a, one of my goals right now i printed out the book of proverbs it's in my in my bag and i go through it just about every day and it's printed out on pieces of paper and i'm writing notes it's the book of proverbs because proverbs will make you wise for life oh yes it's the word of god And I tell you what, when you get the Holy Ghost and you get the Word of God, the Book of Acts Church recognized that we disciple people in the Word of God. If we can get the Word of God inside of people, then the change will begin to come. They'll have direction for life that will absolutely transform them. It's the Word of God. The Word of God. And that's what they relied upon. They relied upon the Word of God. Let me do it again, just real quick. The Word of God. Acts 4 and 4 Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed the number of them was about 5000 they heard the what the word they heard the word and they believed because you can't believe you don't hear the word can't hear the word without a preacher says Romans they heard the word they believed 5000 that's that's pretty good revival any bad any bad pretty good 5000 oh jesus we're ready i think i hope Acts 8 and 4 therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then they go, oh, coronavirus let us move to another city. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, terrible, terrible. No, they preached the word. Verse 14, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Acts 13 and 5, when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God. Come on, we need more than comic book preaching. Huh? We need the word of God. We need Bible studies more than just current events. We need the word of God. 14 to 3, long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace. 20 and 32, now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Acts 15 and 7, when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel. Acts 17 and 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind Acts 18:11 he continued there a year and 6 months teaching the word of God among them This book of Acts church they relied upon the word of God they shared the word of God studied the word of God loved the word of God taught the word of God preached the word of God and everywhere they brought the word of God powerful things happen because the church relied Upon the word of God. Let me say this as we pass by this way. Doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. What you believe matters. I've said this many times. It's, it's been a little while. I'll say it again, though. This is just a good reminder. It's been a little while since I said it. Don't you just believe it because I'm saying it. You search that Bible for yourself. Don't you just believe it because I said it. I think you need to have confidence in your leadership. I think that's an important thing. But you got it. Listen, you can't trust the Pope for your salvation. Come on, folks. You can't trust the Pope for your salvation. You can't trust some radio preacher for your salvation. Listen, your whole eternal destiny is resting on this thing right here. Whether you go to heaven or where you, whether you go to hell for an unending eternity, it's resting on this. And Jesus isn't going to care if you get up and say, well, my preacher said this. My pastor said this. My bishop said this. The pope said this. He doesn't care what the pope said. He wants to know, what does my word say? What did my word say? That's why we search the scriptures. What does the word say? What does the word of God say? That's what I've got to believe. That's what I've got to live. You know, there are folks that are be like, you know, you guys are kind of, you know semantics. You make a big deal. You make a big deal. You know, this Jesus baptism. Jesus' name baptism stuff. You make a big deal. No, we don't make a big deal. The Word of God makes a big deal. If the Word of God makes a big deal, if you, if you were baptized in the titles, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tone down a little bit here. I'm just talking. Just talking. If you're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, you need to be rebaptized the apostolic way in the Bible. Search it for yourself. I'll give you a million dollars. I don't have it. I can't do that. That wouldn't be honest. I'll give you a hundred bucks. I can do that. Silver and gold have I none. Such as I have. I'll give you a hundred bucks. I'll give you a hundred bucks. You search through your New Testament and find one place where they baptize, repeating the words in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Every one of those apostles, when they baptized, they baptize. Repent and be baptized. I mean, Acts 2, the inauguration of the New Testament church, Acts 2. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of, in the name of Jesus Christ. This isn't semantics. This is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. That's why we baptize in Jesus' name. I don't care what Tertullian said. You think I care what those apostolic church fathers said? I don't care what they said if what they said was wrong. I want to know what's the Bible say. What's the word of God say? There's a lot resting on this. What's the word of God say? He said, in the name of the Father and of the Son. And every apostle said, we know what that name is. We know what the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is. They all baptize in the name of Jesus. That's right. I'm just saying, that's just an example. Truth matters. I'm not interested in watering this thing down. But do you know the church council, the council Council of Constantinople in 381 said, and? And do you know what the council of Nicaea said in this year? There are people, you know what they're doing? They're going back to rudimentary Christianity. And this is how they're going, this is what they're saying. We're going way back. We're going way back. We're going back to ancient traditional Christianity. We're going way back to Christianity. We're going back to the creeds. We're going back to the creeds, the Athanasian Creed. Arian, we're going back to the creeds. I ain't going back to no creed. I ain't going back to the creed. I'm going before the creed. I'm going to the Word. I'm going to the Word of God. Oh, I gotta leave that alone. I gotta leave that alone. All right. Finally, my third point, third plank. Ready? The Book of Acts church stayed focused on the mission of Jesus. They relied upon the spirit. They took the word of God everywhere. And then thirdly, they focused on the mission of Jesus Christ. They stayed focused on the mission. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus said, I want you to be salt. I want you to be light. Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world. They went everywhere preaching the word. I'm talking about evangelism. Come on, church. They didn't stop. They didn't stop. They didn't stop. They kept on keeping on. They took the mission. They took the power of the Holy Ghost. They took the Word of God. And they didn't just build their little clusters and their little communes and their little thing and build themselves a place on the top of a mountain somewhere and just say, We got it so good. Could you imagine going to a church where you could hear Peter preaching on a Sunday? That's a church I want to go to. And you're in the altars. You're like, oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. And you look over, and there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. How you doing, Mary? What was it like? What was he like as a little baby? What a church! But you know what? God didn't say that, that, that you're going to stay in Jerusalem. You got, to, you got yourself a really wonderful little church right there. God said, no, I'm sending you to all the world. Why? Because there's a world that needs the antidote to sin. Come on, there's a world that needs a change in Come on, there's a world that's in sickness. Come on, we don't hate sinners. We're not mad at sinners. We're not mad. We're mad at maybe ideologies and philosophies that are lies. But man, I don't. don't, It don't matter. I tell you what, people need Jesus. Yes, Yes. people need Jesus. People need Jesus. People need what we have. We thank God for what we have. We thank God for the church, but the church was supposed to be an outward-focused church. The church was supposed to be outward-focused. It was about seeking and saving that which was lost. It's the mission of the church. It's the reason why we do a movie night and get rained out. I don't know. You may say, stupid idea. Maybe it was. I don't know. At least we're going to do something. One thing we can't do is just sit around and pick our nose until Jesus comes. We can't just sit around and and just do nothing. I know that was crude, sorry. We can't just sit around and just, oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's just keep doing the same thing over and over. No changed lives, no revival, no baptismal waters being stirred, no new people receiving the Holy Ghost. Come on, man! The whole reason he died was so that the whole world, that means you and me, but it also means others. It means those that have not experienced it yet. It means your neighbors, your co-workers, my friends, my neighbors, the ones that don't know God yet. We're not there. I'm not living this like I want to, but God help me. God help me to be mission-oriented. God help me to be apostolic because that's what apostolic means. It's focused on the mission of Jesus that we've got to have all three, and we've got to move this gospel. That's apostolic revival. That's apostolic revival. That's apostolic revival. And here's the thing. If you have two of the three, if you have word and you have mission, you have word and you have mission, but you have no spirit, what do you have? You're going to miss the power. We're a word church. Oh, man, we like to reach the lost, but there's no spirit. You're you're, going to have no power. There's no power for conversion in church like that. There's no divine inspiration that moves within the heart. There's no power. Okay, well, you say, what what about if you're a church that has spirit and has mission? In other words, we believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost, and we love reaching the lost. We got mission, and we got spirit, but we have no word. What happens if you have no word? No foundation, no stability, no direction that comes from the word of God. What happens if you have word and you have spirit? You have word and you have spirit. In other words, we believe in the word. We're, we're living the word. We have spirit. We pray. God's spirit moves. But you don't have a mission. You miss the why. Well, what's this all about? What's this all about? Just for us to get together and celebrate every Sunday? Bum 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 bum. bum, bum. Come on, get that organ going, Wild Willie. Come on, bring that organ out. Come on, yeah, woo! We had great church. Wonderful, awesome, wonderful. Man, did I feel God today? Whoa, it was the Word of God rich? And no lost people being converted. Right? No mission. No purpose. What we recognize is apostolic revival. We need all three. We need spirit. We need word. And we need mission. And we need more of them. Oh God, help us to embrace spirit and word and mission. Because when we got spirit And we got word and we got mission. We got revival. We got revival. We got revival. Spirit, word, mission. We got revival. Stand with me. I'm I'm done. Jesus. Holy Ghost. I tell you what I feel like. I tell you what I believe. I tell you what I firmly and sincerely believe. Look around a little bit. Look around. Look around. This is your church. Listen, church. I believe we have the ingredients. Come on. We need to pour some fuel on all three of them but the ingredients are there I'm talking about revival because that church that apostolic church was a force to be reckoned with they were a force to be reckoned with the one thing that the apostolic church of the first century was not, are you ready? they were not unknown they were not unknown now there were those that were like, whoa man (laughs) those people they're pretty crazy There were those that were like, man, but I tell you what, if you need to find God, that's where you need to go. you need to find God, that's the place to go. Those people, they'll get you there. You need a miracle in your life, those people pray. I'm talking about revival. In revival, there is an expectation, an excitement, a wow, that Jesus is front and center. I don't know about you, I want to be a part of that kind of church. Jesus is front and center. Oh, God, help us. We need a book of Acts in Grand Rapids. We need an apostolic revival in Grand Rapids. That's what we need. Spirit, word, mission. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. My goodness. We need a book of Acts in Minnesota. Come on, Minnesota, square your shoulders. We need a book of Acts in Minnesota. We need an apostolic revival in Minnesota. We believe what those apostles believed. We're going to rely upon the Holy Ghost. We're going to share the Word of God. And we're going to live the mission because we know that it still works. My final question as the team begins to sing and worship, we have an altar service. My final question I have for all of us that are here today, my final question for all of us is how will you pursue apostolic revival in your life and in your church? How am I going to pursue apostolic revival in my life and in my church? How am I going to pursue after it? I want you to think about that as they sing this next song, and I want you to open your heart and your hands to God, and can we reach out to Him today as we ask ourselves that question? How will I pursue apostolic revival in my life? and in my church.